Welcome to Tramlines, a podcast from Agri. I'm your host, Tony Smith, putting your questions to the experts. In this episode, we're talking to Nick Windmill, Technical and R&D Manager for Potatoes at Agri, and Matt Audley, Technical Manager for Plant Healthcare. Today, we're going to talk about new solutions for potatoes, delivered through R&D, and how that can be done to the real benefit of growers for sustainable production. And we will also be talking about a new agri-initiative called the Potato Partnership. So, good morning to you both. And uh, let's start with that big question. I'm going to come to you first, Nick. You know, when we're talking about R&D for potatoes, we might assume that we know what we're talking about. But, but what actually is your endeavour? What's your mission here? Our, our key goal, uh, Tony, is to look for sustainable solutions to engage with growers to promote uh, those new solutions to them uh, so that they can keep producing potatoes uh, safely and effectively uh, for the benefit of their, of their business. Yeah, and, and when you're looking at R&D in this specific field, you know, what, what, what are the key threats that are really facing growers in the potato industry? A significant challenge now over and above uh, the real issues impacting on the cost of, uh, cost of fuel, energy and fertiliser uh, is the, the lack of or loss of uh, crop protection materials. So we have some diverse challenges uh, coming through from uh, late blight, uh, also from potato cyst nematode and also wireworm. And these are impacting in many cases severely with, uh, with, with growers and we need to provide solutions that uh, can help them uh, continue to stay in potato production. Yeah, and if we're talking about, um, you know, disease protection in potatoes and we're talking about soil pest protection, both of those can be devastating to a potato crop, can't they? Absolutely, and uh, it's not lost on me that over my 36 years in the business, um, that if we take uh, the pathogen late blight, um, the impact when... uh, when that really gets going, uh, can be devastating to an individual crop. Uh, so we're, we're challenged with trying to provide uh, solutions which, as I say, are sustainable. Uh, and that means that we're looking for some novel uh, opportunities to bring in uh, chemistry that, uh, that previously uh, wouldn't perhaps have uh, courted favour um, with, uh, with growers. Yeah, okay, very, very interesting. But it, clearly I can hear that, you know, investing in R&D, in turn, which means you're investing in the potato crop, is, is absolutely vital with those threats that are on the horizon. Now, now Matt, um, tell us a bit about the, the R&D work. You know, wh- where do you start in terms of, uh, as a supplier of some of these products, where's your starting point uh, in R&D? Uh, our starting point as a, as a company would be, would be in our laboratories in, in Seattle, um, that's where uh, Plant Healthcare, my company, has been has been doing its its discovery work for the last twenty years or so. Um, all of our products are, are, are based around um, the the Harpin protein, which is a a, a natural um, stimulator of, of plant responses, plant stress resistance responses. So we'll start there with um, you know glasshouse screening or using uh, controlled environment cabinets you know very academic level small scale um, kind of kind of things when we see something interesting from there it'll go out to field development again sort of internally we'll use lots of um, 
independent third-party contractors who you know will do on-farm trials for us we'll do years of that years and years of that to find the to find the, the the technologies that work that work consistently to understand them to learn internally just for us at, at plant healthcare what the what the right application process is for them and once we think we've got something that could be a, a commercial product we'll, we'll go to a to a distribution partner that we that we already work with that we trust like agri uh, in the uk we have similar relationships in other parts of the world and um yeah, we'll 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 give it we'll give it to them and let them, um, you know, see how it see how it performs again independently. We'll take a step back at that point, um, and uh, you know, let the let the potential customers try it out for themselves, see how it works in their um, in their systems in their portfolios. So, you know, door to door, you could be talking about ten years or more in in completion of that process from discovery of a new technology in the lab to a sale on farm. I can hear from what you say that this is a considerable investment in R&D and takes, you know, a considerable amount of time. At what point do you decide you're ready to come along and talk to Nick and share some of that data? It's it's usually the point when we, we've got sufficient data to be to be confident that it will be interesting, um, that, it, that it will fit. Um, so, you know, typically that will be uh, you know, a file full of, of field data from usually around the world, but then also you want to show some local, some local data as well. So something in the UK for Agri to, to say, and, you know, this isn't just something that only works in Brazil or the United States. We've, we've done a bit of our own investment in, in trials in the UK first as well. Sure. And Nick, coming back to you, um, how do you start to look at that file of data to decide well okay this is going to fit because i i'm I'm aware as you clearly were talking about just now of the problems that growers are facing or going to face how how do you start to fit those ideas into your r d uh program so first and foremost um we'll take a a keen look at the data that uh is coming into us and decide then uh on a number of trials um, to start to evaluate in in a sort of homegrown situation um, so that may be also then working with external partners. So, for example, if we're looking at uh, a material which has an impact in, uh, in regard to late blight, um, we would potentially go out to a, th- a third party such as SIUC or Eurofins to engage them in, in running replicated trials where we can be mindful of, of, of the need to generate uh, disease, um, but which can be relatively contained so that it's not going to impact on, on producers uh, in, in the wider area. Yeah, very interesting, Nick. One of the product areas we're going to talk about today is the role of biostimulants, which I must admit I don't know much about. So, so Matt, what, what actually, in the healthcare domain, what, what is a biostimulant uh, with regards to the potato crop? Well, so, so biostimulants now uh, generally... Um, uh, they, they have a definition in, in, in Europe and the United States in, in the fertilizer um, legislations there, not currently here in the UK, but that might change at some point in the future. Essentially, biostimulants are something that sit outside of your traditional pesticides. Fertilizers, they don't, they don't have either of those. Um, uh, um, they don't have either. They, they don't fall into either of those categories. They are um, technically anything which improves uh, plant nutritional status, so nutrient uptake or utilization. They help to relieve plant stress. They, in in some other way, improve yield or final quality 
um, of the um, of the crop. Typically, they are um, you know they fall into groups of seaweed and algae extracts, uh, protein hydrosylates, amino acids, microbes, and then your more sort of technical ones like the one I manage at the minute, Proact, which is based on um, halving proteins. Fundamentally, what biostimulants do is is they hack plant responses. Plants have got this vast array of signaling processes that are going on internally. And by using biostimulants, you kind of tweak those processes to get them to respond to whatever it is you want them to in, in a specific way. Yeah. And, and Nick, when we're talking about biostimulants in their role in helping plant health, how do you see their role? Well, for many years of work, um, which uh, began with, uh, with, with Harpin Protein, um, we're talking several years ago now, um, we engaged in a trials program where we could uh, test the, uh, the, the material um, in crops and varieties which were susceptible to, 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 to blackleg. And one of the, so one of the attributes we were looking at was whether or not the material itself could improve the plant's own uh, defences, improve its resilience uh, to, uh, to bacterial attack. Um, and in the case of the harping protein, um, we found some benefits in replicated trials. Those trials have continued over many years um, because we don't always see the same result uh, year in, year in, year out, but, we're, but we do see some benefit from, uh, from the harping protein specifically in improving the plant's uh, resilience to, to disease, but also um, we're interested in, in extending that into other proteins and the potential to improve resilience against uh, nematode attack as well. And so where are you at in terms of developing and, uh, and getting to bringing these biostimulants through to the farmer, to the farm gate, so to speak? So, so in the case of the, the harping protein, um, we are providing that as a solution now to, uh, to, to growers. Um, we are also engaged. Um, we have a pipeline which is, which is running uh, alongside that, uh, that particular product. Um, to engage in looking at uh, the effect of, of harping proteins or similar proteins in uh, improving the plant's resilience to late blight uh, and also uh, looking at a program to, uh, uh, to see if there's a benefit in terms of potatoes nematode control. Sure. And Matt, are there any other benefits you'd like to add to the ones that Nick's already mentioned? Uh, well, the, the, the key thing that, um, you know, that we find with with our one is that um, the the harping protein stimulates this calcium um, calcium response, and that's fundamentally where I think a lot of this stress resilience is coming from, um, because the because the protein is is um, kind of mimicking a bacterial disease um, uh, infection process. The plants are responding by using more calcium to strengthen their cell walls to make them physically you know less susceptible to being to being um, uh, uh, invaded. Uh, and that's probably where you're getting your environmental um, stress resilience from because they're just fundamentally stronger plants. And similar mechanisms occur with, with other, um, other biostimulant products. Um, you know, they have, um, you know, they have um, a range of different signaling compounds in them, which, you know, elicit a similar sort of, similar sort of stress resistance, res resistance response by, by priming the plant, essentially, by giving them a, 
um, uh, a pre-warning of, of of a stress event, essentially. So they're they're ready to go when the stress does occur. Okay, and for the cereal growers, a, a big um, issue on farm is this unpredictability with the weather, where crops are stressed. You know that that dry periods, cold periods, um, rapid growth, etc. So for the potato crop, do these biostimulants also have uh, a benefit of helping the crop's resilience with these? I see, Nick, you're you're nodding um, there. What's your thoughts? Yeah, no, absolutely. There is there is evidence that. Um, that, that going back to Matt's point around the interaction of the harping protein with, with calcium, um, there's evidence that calcium nutrition can in and of itself mitigate heat stress. Um, the calcium concentration in the leaf of around 25 parts per million can help mitigate the effects of, of heat shock, something that uh, crops currently are, uh, are, are suffering from, have a direct effect on, on two families of heat shock proteins. Um, so, Again, if we can bring these materials into, into, into play, um, we can see that we can impact on the plant's resilience to, uh, to, to, to heat stress. Yeah, very interesting and incredibly relevant to, uh, to where we are at, at this moment in time. Um, that R&D investment is clearly um, critical for the potato industry. Um, Nick, I know you are about to launch a new initiative called the Potato Partnership. Tell us a bit about that. Well, effectively, Tony, it's, it's an extension of the work that uh, AHDB uh, provided through their, their spot farm platform. So the Potato Partnership itself is a collaboration of, of industry partners joining together to investigate some of the key agronomic challenges facing the industry today. Uh, so we're blessed with partners uh, from James Foskett Farms in Suffolk, uh, East Suffolk Produce. Uh, we have an independent agronomist, Graham Tomlin, on board, and also Matt Gregory of Greenwell Farms. And the focus is very much around dealing with the production problems that they face currently. So that's really focusing in on wildworm control, uh, aphid and virus control, and, and potato cyst nematode. And, Alongside that, it's also looking at integrated control of some of these uh, pests. Uh, so, for example, with PCN, um, we're looking keenly at the varietal tolerance and resistance um, that's available through breeding companies now uh, to work alongside the nematicides that we have currently uh, and those which we think will we'll be uh, having available to us over the next uh, three to five years. Yeah, and what I can um, hear from what you've just said is that you're talking a lot about actually working with other partners to be able to take that forward. Have I heard that correctly? Yes, because ultimately, Agri doesn't produce uh, potatoes. Um, I've been involved in potato production uh, as, as a grower, uh, as well as an agronomist for over, for over 30 years. And so it's important to understand the challenges that they face on, on the ground here and now, but also... Uh, to look ahead, as I said previously, uh, to the challenges which, which we expect to come through over the next few years so that we start to look at solutions so we can, we can actually put something into play uh, as and when, for example, we lose, we lose chemistry um, or the pest or pathogen evolves, uh, if in effect, meaning that uh, our current varieties are uh, less uh, resilient um, or our current chemistry is, is less resilient to, uh, to those changes. 
Yeah, so uh, the potato partnership sounds like a, a really active way to do that. Uh, Matt, just coming back to you as, as a, a supplier and a manufacturer of, you know, in this case, the biostimulants, but how do you keep in touch with what are the relevant issues for producers? You know, having a, having a distributor in, in the UK like Agri, I, I count myself very, very lucky because with, with Proact or with any of our new technology, as, as, as I said, we can we can hand over the, 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 the concept to, to Nick and to Agri with a relatively high degree of confidence in our own uh, experimental work. But ultimately, Agri are the ones with the network of experts and the connections to the industry and the agronomists. And, you know, I fully expect that, you know, they, they come back and say, well, actually, it's, you know, it's a different rate, a slightly different timing. You need to mix it with X, Y and Z to get the best out of it. And that's brilliant as, as a supplier, because it just gives you confidence that, you know, your your solution that your company has invested millions of dollars and, and a decade of research in is, is getting developed into something that's genuinely useful for the for the grower as well by the people that that have got the, the feet on the ground there and and have also got the um, the motivation and the desire to deliver the same level of, of support for growing, for increasing sustainability, you know, all the motivation that drives all of us uh, in this industry. And so, Nick, how do listeners today keep in touch with these exciting and interesting developments? So the, the plan currently, having uh, launched just recently with an open session uh, in field to look at uh, two, two of the trials that we're operating, uh, is that we will have one or more uh, winter results meetings. So those will be open to uh, farmers and also to agronomists to, to come in, share the discussion uh, around the challenges that we're facing and, and go through the results that we have from, from our trials. Um, bringing this podcast together, we could talk for a long time about the potato industry, and I'm sure we'll be coming back to talk to you again in the future. But for today, what would you like the top tip to be? What top tip would you offer to listeners uh, today? My top tip would 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 be to um, would be to consider um, you know using biostimulants and biological um, uh, tools uh, to sort of fill some of the gaps that are being left. Uh, they won't be like for like um, replacements, but there's a lot of products out there with with good data, uh, independent data. Um, and if you can find something uh, that, that meets a need that you have, um, then you should be able to, you know, integrate that into a um, into your program. Uh, Nick, uh, what would you like to leave listeners with today? I think the conversation, <clears throat> excuse me, moving forward is very much around uh, collaboration, uh, and that's within and across supply chains. So whether you're growing for the pre-pack market, whether you're growing for the seed production or whether you're going for uh, processing outlets, that there's an opportunity to, to share information, to share the involvement in developing those, those new solutions for the benefit of the wider industry. Thank you, Nick and Matt, for that fascinating insight into current thoughts on developing much-needed solutions for the potato crop. That's it for this podcast, but do tune in again as we meet the experts throughout the season, exploring the many immediate and longer-term questions for growers and farmers in the UK. If you have any questions that you'd like us to ask the experts, email info at agri.co.uk. See you next time.